Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode of the Cult Pop Show podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post credit scene at the end of each episode, or join us for our monthly movie club Zoom call where we discuss a film together, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopshow. You're entering a podcast uh, unlike any other. You're entering a scary, spooky podcast uh, that, like, no one is doing in the month of October. I should have written. I should have written this ahead of time. You should have. I was like, uh, yeah, but, like just just recently, we've been. Um, you and I together have both been praising the writing of uh, Futurama's scary door openings, which mm. I, I assume you were as much parodying just then mm. as the Twilight Zone, because I know that yeah. you're, you're probably more familiar with the scary door. Mm. And yeah, I think that like going into that, I was like, damn, he was really just going to try and improv. AJ, who famously hates doing improv, is just going to try and improvise something mm. that he's just, you know, praised at how well it's written. So um, what, well that could be that, this could all be part of the opening is like mm. a, a man who th- who hates improv forced to improv you know mm. um prepare to enter the culture podcast it's spooktober baby my name's aj and i'm joined by richard and for this month to get into the spooky spirit something i love doing uh and there's an energy in the year that that i'm i'm looking forward to to harnessing we're gonna we're gonna be spooky and, and and for Halloween we're gonna do a spooky month. We've done this the last couple of years, yeah. and I enjoy it, and I think it's a fun time. It, it's funny that you talk about like there's an energy in the air, but it's like Halloween is so not a thing in New Zealand. <laughs> no, it's not. But I think if Halloween is anything in New Zealand, it is a um, indication of what time of year it is, and that's you know, leading into Christmas and stuff. I mm. think that is a very exciting time to be in New Zealand. That's when it's summer. You know, people people associate Halloween with, with autumn. Right, so so what, what, what you're actually associating with Halloween is Christmas. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Christmas. Really, we should just cover the night before Christmas for a month. Let's just do it. Every month. Every month. We become just that. <laughs> Every month. <laughs> that reminds me, actually, if people are interested, I have made a novelty Twitter account called Free Podcast Ideas, uh, where I post ludicrous or unrealistic ideas for podcasts. It's mm. mainly about coming up with a name. Um, I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes if people what want about to follow that on Twitter. The Nightmare After Christmas. It's an annual podcast released every Boxing Day where mm. you watch a horror film. That's too realistic. It's too good of an idea. <laughs> the best one the best one we've got so far, which you um, you and I sort of collaborated on, is uh, No Country for Gary Oldman, which is uh, watching every movie that doesn't star <laughs> Gary Oldman. Like, that's the kind of energy I want them all to, like, you know, these unrealistic yeah. kind of um, 
uh, premises, I guess. But that is not what we're here to do. We're not here to pitch bad podcast ideas. Richard, what are we doing? What's today's episode? What's the first Spooktober? Uh, we're actually doing a bad podcast idea um, today. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be covering pop culture curses. Cool. I think this, you're being very mean. I think this was suggested by someone on the Discord. Yeah, no, I um, know. It was a joke. It was a, I was using, I was doing a funny segue. Mm. Yeah. Well, this, it's yeah. Spooktober, so we need to yeah. be doing spooky segues. Thank you very much. Right, okay. Well, like, well, the, the podcast idea was so bad that it died and it was resurrected as this. Uh, no, it's, ah! it's actually. <laughs> it's a good idea it's it's it's, it's similar because we did um pop cultural conspiracy theories um mm-hmm. last year and so i think this is like a good kind of thing where um essentially this time i've got six ish uh pop cultural conspiracy theories uh and what we're gonna do curses you mean i do mean curses uh what we're gonna do is uh, I'm going to explain them to you, AJ, and you, yes. the listeners, and then we're going to try and decide if this is a legitimate curse or not. Okay. Uh, well, I will say, before we start, do you yep. believe in curses? I, for a long time, believed I was cursed, um, just because I was uh, couldn't get a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> um just because so, i was celibate but it was involuntary <laughs> <laughs> um i don't i it's so for those who don't know me or don't listen to the podcast one one interesting thing <laughs> <laughs> one interesting thing i bring to the show and maybe an interesting dynamic thing about me as a, as a podcast host used to be very religious uh so mm. i used to be very spiritual and a lot of that was considerate of curses i remember we had we inherited a bunch of like touristy um souvenir uh canopic jars egyptian canopic jars from my grandfather when he passed away when i was about seven years old and after my brother translated the hieroglyphics on them to be like such a your brother thing to do death death shall come on swift wings to those who open this my father made us remove them from the house because (laughs) you know grand grandpa had just died and we got them from him so that sort of you know and these would have been made in 2002 <laughs> and like you know be completely yeah. plastic yeah um but so uh i'm i would say i don't believe in curses anymore but i used to be very into into curses and i believe there is really interesting stuff um and i should also say this episode uh thank you to bliss my dog who suggested this on our discord a couple weeks back so that's why we're doing this episode um but yeah, I think uh do do you well do you believe in curses? Well thank you. Um no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a, just an episode of, of naysayers. Here we go. <laughs> uh no, there there are like some there's some spooky coincidences that are that are fun to look at, but to actually believe something is cursed is, you know, quite a big quite a big leap, I think. Foolish. Would you call mm, it foolish? Childish. 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 <laughs> but very spooky. Okay, so the first uh, quote-unquote curse uh, we're going to talk about today is called the Superman curse. I've heard uh, of it. Oh, well, then I In won't. In fact, I, I suggested I it. <laughs> <laughs> no, please. I actually don't know that much about it. 
No, I know well, about you're clearly the expert. No, Mister, no. I've heard of it. <laughs> no, tell me it. Okay, so the curse is that the Superman uh, has supposedly cast a number. Or the Superman cursed has a curse has cast a number of most misfortunes on people involved in the Superman franchise over the decade, from career ruin to death. Oh my god! So George Reeves, who played Superman in the 1950s TV series The Adventures of Superman, was found dead in 1959 of a oh single god. gunshot wound to the head. The death was Whoa! ruled. A, the death was ruled a suicide, but uh, they didn't find his fingerprints on the gun. They never found his fingerprints on the gun. So it's it's likely murder. But uh, wow! I did not know someone was murdered from. Who played Superman? Um, and then there's Christopher Reeve, no relation because they actually have different last names, uh, <laughs> Reeves and Reeve. Um, uh, had similar bad luck um, after success in four Superman films. He was thrown from a horse in 1995, leaving him paralyzed from the waist down. Um, and yeah. He passed away in what, 2000? Uh, yes, yeah, but you know, he lived a pretty fulfilling oh, he, life after okay. he. Um, after after his accident, but was but was paralyzed. Yeah, um, good friends with uh, Robin Williams, I believe, and he yeah. would call him. And um, uh, we, I think when he got into his accident, he got a call from uh, Robin Williams, who was like, "Hey, it's me, your proctologist, here to look at your butt." And that was like <laughs> the first time he laughed after the accident. Those are the two kind of most uh, famous ones. Um, I love. I love. I, whenever something in the in history is referred to as a curse, you're like, "Oh, that's fascinating." You dig a little deep. It's like two, yeah. <laughs> two examples. Back it up. <laughs> but also, like the other things, like a, a, a link to it are like Dean Kane had a really bad career after Lois and Clark. Mm. Ooh, which he de- definitely wasn't uh, sabotaged by himself. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, Brandon Routh hasn't had much of a career either. That's the whole curse, really. Um, I wouldn't even <laughs> say Brandon Routh hasn't had much of a career, though. He's been in plenty yeah. of stuff. Yeah, I know Henry Cavill's like probably going to be cancelled one day. Henry Ca- <laughs> Henry Cavill's um, career is a slump because of he can't get out of Superman, basically. Mm. Like maybe that's the Superman curse. Yeah, and he and he and he likes his women young as well. Right. Okay. I don't know anything about nothing. This. Nothing. Nothing illegal. It's worth pointing out. But yeah, he's he's dated a few under twenty year olds. I think. I don't know if that's um, attributable to a curse, though. <laughs> mm. I think that's both true of many actors and also his own doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> da- yeah damn what- the Superman curse! It's made me so attracted to nineteen-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I love about the Superman curse. I get older. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Cracked.com mm. uh, attributes this. Uh, it might be that it was uh, the curse was from Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, uh, who created Superman, um, mm. but they were completely screwed out of the royalties um, due to being under contract to DC Comics. Yes, famously. Then, uh, yeah, 1975, they were finally begrudgingly awarded a yearly pension from Warner, DC's parent company. Uh, who wanted to avoid bad publicity just before the release of the first film. Um, but apparently the 35 grand a year they paid out wasn't enough to offset the curse. No. So it actually not. yeah, like almost predates the curse. Um, 
it, it also just a, a fun has a fun little tenuous link to the curse. Uh, according to inside sources, in 1963, John F. Kennedy's staff approved of a Superman story in which the hero touts the president's physical fitness initiatives, scheduled to be published on uh, April 1964. On November 22nd, however, Kennedy was shot and killed. See, you can you can convince me it's a curse if the day they were going to um, announce that was the day he died. Then it's then it's relevant. But yeah. without that, I, I think it's just a bunch of dates and things <laughs> thrown yeah. out. There were probably plenty of things that Kennedy couldn't get around to because he died. You know, mm. <laughs> but you don't you don't call them a curse. <laughs> yeah. So that's so we we don't think the Superman curse is a curse. I don't think the Superman curse is a curse. I'm calling it. Not a coincidence. curse. Coincidence. Yeah. Curse or coincidence? Is that the episode name? Maybe, yeah. Oh. Um, so here we go. Here's another one that we don't even actually need to debate. Um, okay. So this because is it is like, a curse. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, so the Oscar love curse is quite a famous uh, curse that floats around Hollywood, uh, so much so that it even has its own Wikipedia page. Oh, wow. But uh, which I'll just read in its entirety, <laughs> <laughs> which isn't as arduous uh, of a task as it sounds. It's actually a super long Wikipedia page, and you yeah. just read it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the Oscar love curse or Oscar curse is a superstition that the woman who wins the Academy Award for Best Actress will have her boyfriend, fiance, or husband cheat on her or divorce her soon after. Mm. I, I I swear this page used to have a list of examples. It doesn't anymore. But I remember like um, Sandra Bullock, Jesse James mm-hmm. cheated on her. Uh, okay. that, that, was, that was one of the ones I remember. Um, but there's like a handful of examples kind of thing. Like there are for, you know, most of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has also been applied to the Best Supporting Actress and to the Best Actor winner. A 2015 study found that the divorce rates of female Oscar winners and nominees did not increase, but the divorce rates of male Oscar winners and nominees did. Interestingly. Right. Uh, another version of an Oscar curse is that if an individual wins either a Best actor or actress or best supporting actor or actress the career will collapse shortly thereafter sources indicate that the originator of the superstition was louise rayner who after winning two oscars for best actress of the 1930s had fewer roles in films afterwards which she apparently blamed on receiving the awards the 2015 study found the opposite to be true male and female oscar winners and oscar nominees appear in more films following the oscar experiences than do other actors now that's the entire wikipedia page so mm. <laughs> they did a study that debunked both curses so i'm gonna say this is a coincidence. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I've looked up um, examples of the Oscar love curse, the first one. Here are some examples. Um, uh, Rachel Weiss, apparently, suffered, Darren Aronofsky um, mm. cheated on her. Um, Emma Thompson, Gina Davis, Jane Fonda, Kathy Bates, Goldie Horn, Julie Andrews, Kim Basinger, 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 um, Helen Hunt, Kate Winslet, Hilary Swank, Halle Berry, Reese Witherspoon, Angelina Jolie. This seems legit to me, Richard. Or could it be more that Hollywood is an, an acting culture is a vile place where well, no, temptation not... is 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 to to cheat on your partner is more common than maybe other. Yeah. Uh, well, other not areas. even there. I think I don't think it's necessarily more common. I mean, you look at the divorce rates, you know, everywhere, and you look at the of, amount of of bakers. Um, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, like exactly. you, you you zone in on a specific like no, man, <laughs> e- engineers like that's where the curse is. Yeah. Um, but I think that um, for a lot of people, the the winning an Oscar or being nominated changes your star trajectory. And it's not an Oscar one, but I would say, like one of the classic examples I think of like a Hollywood divorce is um, Anna Faris and Chris Pratt. That okay, yeah, when yeah. they got together, she was a big star, 
and you know it's hot off scary movie and he was like the schlubby everyman um comedic just just kind of likable guy from parks and rec and then overnight he became the hottest most beloved um the you know, a-lister in the world mm. and while she you know was on season whatever of mom and i think that that understandably would really really put a strain on your on your marriage and completely change the dynamic and you know they split up and now you know chris pratt's um back to you know not being the sexiest hottest most beloved uh person in hollywood but i think that the, you know like an, an oscar would probably do similar things that yeah 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 you start being more in demand it puts a strain on your marriage um and especially you know if, if your husband is jesse or your partner's jesse james from that show that I used to real like. What was that show? What was this show called? He's a weirdo, but fuck that show was good. Whatever it is, um, Jesse James. Yeah. No, not him. I th- I th- <laughs> I think um yeah, that's a Monster good point. Garage. Fuck yeah, that was mean. <laughs> Did you ever see um that clip from the show Mom where Anna Faris just quotes Rick and Morty to a little kid? And like the joke is just that they're quoting Rick and Morty. It's not like there's a. It's it's Fuck. the joke is that Rick and Morty's funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Like they, they're not putting it. The writers of Mom didn't put a joke on top of that. The joke, like the laugh track plays after Anna Faris goes wubba lubba dub dub, and it's like the joke. Wait, did she is actually just, say wubba lubba dub? Yeah, man, it's crazy. It's it's Anna that's Faris. the curse right there. The Rick and Morty curse. <laughs> Anyone who mentions Rick and Morty. Their career is cursed. Oh, the girl's wearing a Rick and Morty shirt. Yeah. Okay, let me, it's 12 seconds long. Let me have a look. Okay. So you like Rick and Morty, huh? Yeah. I got into it. I got into it because of my son. Now I love it too. Wubba lubba dub dub. And then Arna Ferris burps. All right. Yeah, okay. The, yeah, yeah. No, that's bad. You know what I mean? The joke is that the writing on Rick and Morty is apparently funny. What? You know? I, I don't know that it is. I don't know. That's weird. Anyway, but then like um, eighth grade, uh, the Bo Burnham's movie ends with quite mm. a charming, almost exact replica of that scene. Yeah, but the one in eighth grade is um, not necessarily funny. It's more cute. Yeah, and they're also little kids, which I think. Yeah, but I, I, you know, we might be seeing this um, scene out of context. Um, I think okay. from what I get from that scene, Anna Faris's character um, daughter, I think is her name, um, is trying to connect with. <laughs> maybe her daughter i don't know granddaughter yeah yeah and um monster garage was fucking sick (laughs) i think with the oscar love curse we can look at it more as though the thing about like some curses allegedly alleged curses like the superman one is like out of all the people in the world two pretty bad things happened to two people who were involved with this pretty ubiquitous thing right but with the with the oscar Getting, getting thrown off a horse yeah well Oh no, you mean playing Superman? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, playing Superman. <laughs> Whereas the Oscar love um, curse is just like when you follow the logic, things like this happen, you know. And a lot yeah. of curses, I think, come down to those two reasons. Exactly. Um, so it, I'm not going to call it coincidence, but I'm not going to call it curse. I'm going to call it human nature. Oh, deep. <laughs> so another curse that's just like this is just how things work. Uh, this is the Seinfeld curse. 
Julie Louis Dreyfus, Jason Alexander, and Michael Richards all tried to launch uh, new sitcoms as title role characters after the end of Seinfeld. Almost every show was cancelled quickly, usually within the first season. Um, the ones specifically cited um, are Julie Louis Dreyfus's Watching Alley, Jason Alexander's Bob Patterson and Listen Up, and Michael Richards's The Michael Richards Show. The curse uh, was mentioned uh, throughout the second season of uh, Kirby Enthusiasm, which mm-hmm. has Jason Alexander go to Larry David to the, make a new show together. And it's going to be about a sitcom actor who's had a successful sitcom and yeah, can't I break out of it. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's a good, good arc. And then he, he, he ditches Jason Alexander because he'd rather it stars Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah. And, um, and, and the show was going to be called Aren't You So-and-So? Or Aren't You, you know, Aren't You Name of Character? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in real life, though, Larry David has uh, dismissed the idea of a curse, saying it's so completely idiotic, it's very hard to have a successful sitcom. But then, of mm. course, Julia Louis-Dreyfus had uh, The New Adventures of Old Christine, which won um, she won a Primetime Emmy Award for, uh, leading many to believe that she'd broken the curse. In her acceptance speech, she said, I'm not somebody who really believes in curses, but curse this, baby! um it made enough episodes to air in syndication for several years um something that none of the other shows did her Saturday Night live episode she hosted referenced the curse um and then the curse finally struck when after six seasons after five seasons uh ratings declined and it was cancelled uh, but uh, then the she curse w- strikes again <laughs> but then she went on to win a six further emmys uh for playing um selena meyer and veep yeah veep like that's you know, pro- I haven't seen it, but from my understanding, yeah. it's probably one of the better sitcoms of of recent years. And so, yeah. like that's that's just not a coincidence, a curse, or a human nature. That's just not a thing. Well, I think I think that what Lord, um uh Larry David said is that like th- th- mm. dozens of shows fail every year. Um, mm. You just were paying attention to these ones because they start an actor you like. Mm. You could also um, attribute the failure of B movie to this curse as well i think um, i would fa- i would attribute the failure of b movie to the fact that it is a bad idea for a movie yeah <laughs> <laughs> there was also um the marriage riff which apparently mm-hmm. that the, the screen crush um references that what is that uh it was like a reality show that he um uh who executive producer sorry seinfeld oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah the it, this article also references like brian cranston and it's like no he's he's undoubtedly oh, the, the, well this is like looking at is the cursed of as the cast of seinfeld cursed and it's like it references um you know the, like brian cranston jerry stiller um patrick warburton all did went on to do pretty well supporting who was supporting right, characters but, in the show. but i think not that, to defend the curse but i think it's reasonable to put the parameters on it around the four definitive the four, yeah. main characters but um i think that there's um i can't remember the name of the youtube no- channel now but there's um uh this guy who does like looking at kind of forgotten forgotten failures and stuff and he did one on the michael richards show and i think on um that bob patterson show um where jason alexander plays uh, a narcissistic but wildly insecure self-help guru which is a great idea for a series and it like it's kind of interesting looking at like they all are trying to be like look it's george look it's kramer mm. but just not connecting and it's like 
Yeah, it's like just either just fully be George or just fully be Kramer mm. or just do something completely different. But it's like trying to sell it on, look, it's the same person, but then it's kind of not. And it's like, it's familiar enough that you're intrigued, but not enough that it's actually good. That YouTube yeah. channel is called Hats Off Entertainment. Yeah. Um, they do forgotten failures. I would also say that I think it's bad to call a show the name of actor show. I don't think that format mm. works anymore. And um, yes, not like since the, the, Bob Newhart. Yeah, but even that he played Bob Newhart in it. Like, well, I'm just saying, like, like that's probably the last one that was really right. successful. The the Michael J. Fox show, which was about um, Michael J. Fox played a news news anchor who had to has to quit because he gets Parkinson's. And when that was announced, I was like, "What a great idea for a for a Michael J. Fox project! Mm. Like one where he, you know, the character has Parkinson's and it's justified by the story, and that's what it's about." And they called it the Michael J. Fox show, and it got cancelled after one season. Mm. And I just feel like that was part of it. I didn't want to watch a show with such an unimaginative name. Yeah. Um. So yeah. For, for for the record for a couple of things there um in the michael j fox show his character's name was mike henry uh bob newhart's character in the bob newhart show was called uh robert hartley ah so he wasn't yeah. i mean that's I, bob hart you know robert hartley bob, bob newhart yeah i know but yeah <laughs> um yeah but i i th- and there's also like um the mary tyler moore show but there was like a no there was there was a sitcom um, These are old, old shows, though. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is I don't think this works anymore. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, the, the, a lot of these ones they just they're not they're not the name. It's not they're not actually the character's name, which mm. is weird. Um, but yeah, I watched the first couple of episodes of the the Michael J. Fox show because I was I was very intrigued by the idea. And his wife was played by Betsy Brandt um, mm. from Hank's wife from um, Breaking Bad. Nice. Well, okay. Is what do you think? Are we calling this one a curse or a coincidence? Uh, no, I, I, again, I don't, I don't think this is a curse. I think this is how these things work. I think know? then that is a coincidence. Well, no, it's it's not even a. It kind of is a curse, really, but it's, it's not. <laughs> it's not in the sense of a lot um, of like there's something supernatural going on. This is just what happens when you achieve this level of fame mm. for this long attached to a single IP. It's it's hard to it's it's just being typecast really is what mm. is what it is. So it's it's not so we've had one we've had one coincidence, one human nature and one um typecasting. Yeah, well one yes like they they're, they're cursed by the fame of Seinfeld, mm. but not by like not in a supernatural way. All right, let's call it a curse just so it can get on the board. That's so funny that the Seinfeld curse is is real. Well, I think we're changing the definition of what a curse is to in order to yeah, score it points. <laughs> so next up, this one is like a more kind of uh, proper definition of the of the term. Um, this is the Poltergeist curse. This is a big one that a lot of people talk about. So the it's a rumored curse attached to the Poltergeist trilogy and its crew um, due to not one but two people dying who were involved. <laughs> um, so this is the two two young cast members. Um, this occurs between the releases of the first and third films. There was an e true Hollywood story called The Curse of Poltergeist, uh, which explored the the curse. And can I just say, much like Monster Garage, fucking how good were Eatra Hollywood stories. Did you ever watch them? Whatever. No, straight up. Yeah, did you I watch Eatra Hollywood or stories? Or am I thinking, I'm thinking of entertainment tonight. <laughs> yeah, no, Eatra Hollywood stories, they were, they were, they were essentially like true, like true crime docos. They were like an hour right. long. And so it'd be like the Curse of Poltergeist. And they also did like the um, E, 
there was like there was like Hot 100 or something or like a countdown kind of thing and it would be like most shocking moments on live television kind of thing and that okay. was like fascinating that's that's so good like right. straight up i genuinely my sister and i watched a lot of each hollywood stories growing up <laughs> but so the, the two kind of main deaths uh dominique dunn who played the eldest daughter uh, dana in the first film died in uh, 1982 at age 22 after being strangled by her ex-boyfriend. Uh, he was convicted of voluntary manslaughter and sentenced to six years in prison, but was paroled after serving three and a half years, of course. Wow. She, uh, we, okay, just also says she also appeared in the 1982 movie Shadow Writers. Okay. Um, Heather O'Rourke, who played Carol Ann in all three films, died uh, in 1988 at the age of 12 due to complications from an acute bowel obstruction. Right. Um, so yeah, at t- age 12 and 22, uh, dying. Um, but then you also have, um, Julian Beck who played the old man in part two died of cancer and, uh, Will Sampson, who you also is the native American actor from, um, one floor of the cookies nest. Uh, he died during an operation. Um, okay. See these. Yeah. But also, but also the, so the, the, but also the other thing that's like, so, you know, poltergeist revolves around, um, desecrating, uh, the remains right, of, course, of yeah. like Native Americans, they're angering the spirits, and um, the in 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 an act of sheer stupidity, uh, the filmmakers actually used real human remains and desecrated them for the film. Um, mm. so this one's kind of like, you know, more fun to think of as a curse. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. At the same time, I feel like here's what happens with these curses. Two people related to something die, and someone goes, "Oh man, if one more person dies, I'm calling it a curse." But they, no one else dies, and so they get so excited that they're like, I'm just, just called a curse anyway. Well, no, it's and like an know, old man dies of cancer, and they're like, "Yeah, it's a curse. It's a curse. <laughs> That's all I needed." Um, yeah, like I, I wish it, it's always like you hear about the Superman curse and the and the Poltergeist curse, like all your life as a as a consumer of of this sort of stuff, and then when you actually learn about them, it's always so meager and it's and what's actually happened. You know, I'm so I'm sad that those people have died, but it's not like it's it's it. I just wish more had. No, well, kind of. No, I don't wish more had. I I'm saying. It would make it'd be a lot cooler if they did. Be a, be a lot more convincing that it was a curse if more people died or more bad stuff happened. I think the key to this is the desecration of actual Native hmm. American bodies. That that's probably add lends more credence to it. Um, but no, I think I'm going to go coincidence with this one. What do you think? Yeah, I think this is coincidence. Hmm. I'll go curse then. <laughs> okay, so next up, we've only got a couple of these left. This is going to be a nice quick episode for us. So there's actually a two for one. So you would have seen people reference the Confederacy of Dunces curse, mm-hmm. but there's also the Artuk curse. Mm. Artuk is a hilarious fish out of water screenplay about an Inuit who comes to New York it was never filmed because everyone who was in talks to play the lead role died. So John Belushi was attached to it before his drug overdose in 1982. Uh- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Uh, so they pass it on to uh, Sam Kinnison, uh, who was then killed in a car crash. And then it was passed on to John Candy, um, who died of a heart attack. And then they said, you know what? Let's never make this film until, you know, fourth chubby funster Chris Farley dug up the script and was in talks to play the role before dying. Seriously? Wow. That one's actually pretty compelling. I was about to mention Chris Farley and be like, was he? Because I kind of think of of, um, John Belushi, John Candy and Chris Farley as the like defining trilogy of dead mm. comedy actors mm. dead, <laughs> i don't know fat, who the other guy fat is comedy actors yeah, um, yeah uh so there's also around the, the same time you also have a script called the confederacy of dancers um which was a book written by a guy called john kennedy tool who took his own life and then uh so either he died before the book was published and then his mum uh dedicated her life to making sure that the Confederacy of Dunces would um, be published. And then it won won the Pulitzer Prize in 1981, um, interestingly, for just like what is apparently a very funny book. With a name like Confederacy of Dunces, I should hope so. (laughs) It sounds like a real old-timey insult for like a pack of idiots. mm, Like a pack of dumb shits. What is this, some kind of Confederacy of Dunces? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So in 1982, uh, Harold Ramis was signed on to make it starring... And he died! in 2014 <laughs> yeah john belushi was going to star as ignatius who's the the um, main character and uh, richard pryor was in talks to play burma jones uh and then they both passed away um just d- days before he was due to actually officially sign the contract apparently uh mm-hmm. and then after that they considered uh john candy so uh, Harold Ramis left the project after John Belushi died. And uh, then it was uh, Maddie Walker who was tasked with adapting the novel. And John Candy actually passed on the role. And then Walker had to, in her own words, have lunch with every fat actor in Hollywood. A uh, few other things went on. Uh, John Waters tried to make the film. Um, Going to star Divine as Ignatius who also mm-hmm. passed away. Then Scott Kramer uh, took over. Stephen Fry was brought in to write the screenplay. Uh, he, he talked about talked with Robbie Coltrane about adapting the book. Neither of them had died, so, you know. It's a curse! Chris Farley was uh, then offered the, the lead role. Um, he uh, was killed before he could accept, well, he died. Um, he was like the, the one, he was like, because uh, Confessor Dancers, was quite an active thing and it was like his name was floating around for a long time but it's kind of unsure whether or not he actually there was a dispute of the rights going on at the time right so belushi candy and farley had uh, all died um prematurely uh but then in the early 2000s 2004 um they actually did a reading of the script uh with will ferrell as ignatius lily tomlin as his mother irene and moz def as burma jones it was going to be directed by david gordon green um and there was another argument over rights um then 2008 he said that will ferrell said that jack black had maybe been um attached at some point and then in 2012 zach galifianakis was cast an adaptation set to be directed by uh james bobin who um instead 
decided to direct Muppets Most Wanted. I do remember the Galifianakis one going into yeah. production. And then um, in, uh, Steven Soderbergh was going to do it at one point as well. And in 2015, uh, Nick Offerman starred in a production staged on, on Broadway, a, a theatre production. And that's the only successful adaptation of the book in any medium to date. Wow. And wow. yeah, Steven Soderbergh has said that he... I'm not prone to superstition, but that project has got bad mojo on it. Okay, I've got a few thoughts on this before we declare whether or not it's a curse or a coincidence or mm. some other third thing. One is that um, what it's lacking is a reason. The, like the thing about the the um, I mean, we've, same could be go could be said for the Superman curse that like what makes the Poltergeist curse so compelling is that there is a cursy reason why it could happen. Well, the, the Superman curse. The first time I read it, it was like. Um, the people who play the strongest man in the world are, are destined to wind up, and it's like laughing in the face of God. A man can fly, can he? <laughs> oh, actually, the Joel, the Schuster, and what are their names? Hmm. Them being screwed over could be a reason. Yeah, yeah, true for the curse. Um, but with this and the the Inuit one, it's like what what is the what is the sacred cow that's being tipped in order for this to create a curse? I, I don't really understand why there would be a curse on either of those productions. Yeah. And another thing is I think what this actually is, is that there was a time in Hollywood where Belushi, Candy, and Farley all would have orbited several projects, and Mm. these would be the ones you heard about because they all fit the same basic description of a chubby-to-fat comedy Mm. male actor. And then all three... The the real coincidence is all three of them died because none of them died because they were overweight or complications related to... Well, John John Candy died of a heart attack. Oh, did he? Okay, so one out of three though and i wouldn't even say john belushi is you know of a weight that you would be concerned well, not, not these days <laughs> yeah yeah um and so what really is is that these are two projects which had a a trio of um actors circling it who all fit the same description and they all died that's where the coincidence is and so people go oh these projects are cursed because they they went from one to the next to the other i'm sure there were several projects which considered all three actors mm. For, for a role, you know, yeah. that we just don't know about. Um, I do also just want to take this time to point out that I am well aware of the curse surrounding Terry Gilliam, Gilliam's film, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. However, my God, there is a lot to it. <laughs> like there's, there's, there's too many coincidences and the history is far too long. I mm. like trying to find just a concise list of like, this happened, then this happened. It's like... It's insane, and I and also, didn't have movie, the time to... It came out, yeah. And, it came out, that movie got made. Yeah, and apparently it wasn't great, so that's the curse, you know? <laughs> but no, like, that, that famously was in development hell for, like, 29 years. Um, mm. And there was a... Uh, what was supposed to be a making-of documentary made about it called, like, the... Uh, a Lost at La Mancha, I think it's called. That was supposed to be like a behind-the-scenes documentary about the making of the medical Don Quixote after it had been, you know, development hell for fucking what, what would have been like um, thirteen years at that point, and then mm. the movie still didn't come out. So the documentary came out, and then the movie didn't come out for another sixteen years, um, and then I think they made a sequel to to Lost in La Mancha, like um, to you know give the the remaining years but yeah that 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 feels like a cursed production where it's just like oh it's just a fucking bad luck yeah 
Yeah, so I'm going to say this is coincidence. The mm. all of these ones, mm. um, but particularly those the Inuit one and the um, dancers one, I think is is the real the real story. There is three similar profiled actors dying. Yeah. Um, and th- there just happens to be three um, stories attached to it. Very tempted to call those ones curses, though. I thought there was there's certainly some interesting, um, you know ideas to it i do like that we're doing what's supposed to be a spooky episode but is basically just like a skeptic's guide to explaining away why something actually isn't spooky <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> all right so i thought i was i might do something uh different mm-hmm. these last couple <laughs> mm. and that is something we don't talk about a lot here um but it's still related to pop culture and this is sport curses Oh, I know a good sport curse. I listened to a podcast recently on a very interesting sport curse. What is it? What was it? Uh, the Curse of the Billy Goat. Oh, go on. Um, the Curse of the Billy Goat. Um, if you want more information about it, it applies to the Cubbies, the, the Cubs. Yeah, the Cubs. Um, it was. It was a, so. The Curse of the Billy Goat was a curse placed upon the Cubs, the um, the Chicago Cubs, where like you know a hundred years ago someone disrespected a billy goat that belonged to some Mm. crazy old man and he cursed them and so the cubs didn't win the world series for until like like they had like an 80 year dry streak or something like that Uh, it might have been more that but yeah it was um so they finally won in was it 2016 2016 1945 to 2016 71 years and there's a joke in uh, because it's like, you know, the Cubs will never win a World Series. There's the joke in Back to the Future Part 2 where mm. they're like, yeah, the Cubs just won the World Series. I wish I could go back some money, go back in time, put some money on the Cubbies. And he's like, wait, and that incites the mm. plot. And they almost won in 2015, which would have been this fucking amazing, like, exciting yeah. thing. Because I think they did quite well in 2015, but then went one in 2016. Mm. Yep. So if you want to know more about the curse of the Billy Goat, uh, listen to Do Go On. They did an episode recently on the curse of the Billy Goat that's very interesting. There's a whole bunch of shit that happens, but the the most interesting thing that happened is something called the Steve Bartman incident. Mm-hmm. And I watched a documentary on this after listening to this podcast. It was a very hard documentary to track down because it was one of those ESPN, was it 30 for 30? documentaries which are just notoriously difficult to find um if you don't have an espn connection i think i actually just ended up getting espn plus so that i could watch it the documentary is called catching hell i won't go into it but it's it's incredibly interesting less about the curse aspect and more about the um you know just how pub the public can turn on an innocent person when they care enough about sport <laughs> do you so this is um a two two that are you know directly related to areas of um pop culture we don't talk about very much here but um not only sport but also uh, are you familiar with the madden curse i am not uh so this is a video game based cursed curse that um the madden nfl series one of these you know sport games that releases it just madden 09 madden 2020 yeah um whatever comes out every year I don't understand why people would play them. I know you don't understand why people would play them. I hate them. And all my, and I have friends who play them and they get excited when a new one comes out. <laughs> what are you... They're 170 bucks. You're going to buy the same game. I don't get it. I don't get it. But so there's a, there's a curse that every player who uh appears on the madden cover is then doomed to like be out for the season and oh. some horrific injury or just generally playing terribly yeah i i've got a list if you want to go through what happened yeah, to everyone so uh 99 you had garrison hurst 
uh, from the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, he was the first uh, one to appear on the cover. Um, he suffered a terrible broken ankle not long into the season. Um, so it's mean that like a lot of them, it's like, because, you know, that comes out the year before for mm. like that year. So it's like, they actually end up missing most of the season that they're the For which they're named for. after. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, so it's like they, the game is then misrepresenting what that year would have been like for that team. Exactly. Yeah. Then uh, Barry Sanders from the Detroit Lions was on um, Madden 2000. He reti- announces retirement. Um, there you go. Um, Okay. Um, 2001, Eddie George. Uh, a rare bobbled pass by George late in the fourth quarter of a playoff. Blah, blah, blah. He played B, fumbled a pass, and they lost. Mm-hmm. Dante Culpepper from the Minnesota Vikings um, suffered a knee injury. Uh, that was from 2002. Uh, 2003, he had Marshall Falk uh, from the St. Louis Rams. What happened to him? It was the first season he was unable to rush for more than a thousand yards. Uh, he missed the entire in the few a few years later he missed entire season due to injury on his on his knee. Uh, Michael Vick, he just a short time after it was announced he would be the cover athlete, he fractured his right fibula during a preseason game and he missed the first eleven seasons of the game. Following year, Ray Lewis, he uh, didn't record a single interception in the 2004 season, the first time it ever happened in his career. Um, the following year, 2006, he had uh, Donovan McNabb from the Philadelphia Eagles, um, who uh, had a groin injury and uh, derailed his season completely. Um, the following year, 2007, he had Sean Alexander. Uh, he was he got a broken foot in week three of the season. Um, right. 2008, he had Vince Young, he scoffed at the Madden curse um, on late night television when the when the announcement was made, um, and then had a slow start only to to injure his quadricep in week six. Then two thousand and nine, Brett Favre he had a relatively decent season only to sustain an injury to his right shoulder later in the season, which would plague him for the remaining three seasons up until he retired. Two thousand ten, Larry Fitzgerald. This is apparently it's one of the first clear cut examples of the Madden curse generally missing its mark as he had several personal records, uh, but uh, had a slightly down in 2010, um, but generally wasn't that bad. 2011, Drew Brees from the New Orleans Saints had one of his worst seasons to date. 2012, Peyton Hills had uh, an injured hamstring, which had a missing all games of the season. 2013, Calvin Johnson the this is the best case it's like now this this proves it's not a curse because he had a real good season that year so we've just gone through like literally 13 in a row and then it's like no nah, it's not a curse because the 14th uh it wasn't affected interesting this is this is the most convincing one we've had so far i think this certainly has the highest body count of yeah. any of the curses so far madden 25 uh, which was 2014's one um was uh adrian peterson from the minnesota vikings he had a foot injury richard sherman from the seattle seahawks uh, another one where the um curse didn't strike so it's 2015 2016, uh, Aldo Beckham Jr., the curse didn't strike again. 2017, Rob Gronkowski from the New England Patriot New England Patriots had a, a hamstring injury, which um, well, kept him out, and then he had a, another injury later on in the season. Curse didn't strike in 2018 with Tom Brady from the Patriots. Then 2019, uh, it's like it says the curse doesn't strike. I don't think that's when uh, the article was written. Oh no, twenty twenty. But then COVID happened. Yeah, twenty twenty. Um, Patrick Mahomes from the Kansas City Chiefs says um, it, it struck and then it didn't. But um, other fun little things about this one. So that's like, what? Out of out of over 20, there's, well, like 16? Is this why COVID happened? 
Is COVID a direct <laughs> result from the Madden curse? Yeah, um, but apparently, yeah, so like fans of um, like NFL fans actually lobby to not have their favorite player on the cover. Um, this is great. <laughs> because of this it. Is, uh, do you know what? Curse. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely a curse. This is not only, I'm not only labeling this a curse, I'm saying this is the most convincing curse I've ever heard. Like <laughs> 16 yeah. out of 20 examples of it happening. And then a worldwide pandemic. Ladanian yeah. L- uh, Tomlinson turned down um, appearing on the cover due to the curse. Good idea. Yeah. Uh, it, it does say the injuries that Madden <laughs> cover athletes experience can be attributed to the physical nature of football. That's the, I guess that is the coincidence part is there's probably dozens of players per year that get mm. knocked out for whatever reason. And these are, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Also, one of those guys just retired, which I don't know if yeah, it yeah. counts. Well, it, it, it seems like in a shock that shocked his fans. Ah, so it might okay. have been there was something else going on. Also, to earn the honor of being put on the game cover, a player is coming off a strong year and some regression the following year is likely. Uh, attributing right. to a cause such as a curse to this randomness is a regression fallacy and a spurious correlation. A regression fallacy. I mean, that's the Seinfeld curse. Hmm. Yep. So Seinfeld curse isn't a curse, it's a regression fallacy. Oh, wow. <laughs> boom, ba, boom, 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 boom. Oh, yeah. Just regression fallacy written in the Seinfeld font. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it is essentially that like, um, a, a classic example is if your pain gets worse and then you go see a doctor, the pain subsides, um, therefore you benefited from the doctor. It's probably, you know, just as likely that the it would have gone away anyway. Like it's just, mm. it, it already peaked. You missed the, um, yeah. uh, But in, in December, 2010, EA announced plans to develop a movie based on the Madden curse. Oh, interesting. Who's going to appear on the cover. <laughs> it, it would be a comedy and not based on fate based horror movie, uh, like the final destination. Um, however, in 2014, um, EA executive, uh, Pat O'Brien stated that they're not working on a Madden curse movie. Nice. I think that's the best one, and I'm glad you saved it till this late in the episode because I really needed one to just really boggle my mind. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, like there absolutely are a few examples of where you know they're not, but mm-hmm. I can look over them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the next one, another one related to sport, and another one related to a side of uh, pop culture we don't talk about that much. That's music, and music cool. and sport curse. What, what possibly could be in the middle of the Venn diagram of those two <laughs> things? And that is a man named Aubrey. Uh, don't know what his last name is, but it, it better goes better by Drake, um, the the singer slash oh. rapper Drake. Um, <laughs> what is known as the Drake curse. Okay, so essentially. If Drake wears a jersey, poses for a photo, or in any way appears to be supporting any a particular team or person, they'll go on to lose. No kidding. <laughs> um, so uh, some examples. Look uh, Drake- out, Millie Bobby Brown's career then. <laughs> hey, yeah, oh, feel bad about making that joke. Yeah. Um, so uh, Levine Curzoa from the French football giant uh, Paris Saint-Germain posed for a photo with Drake and then lost their next match 5-1 it was their worst defeat in nearly two decades Conor McGregor lost his fight um, to Khabib uh, Nurmagomedov 
uh, after Norman Gobidov, uh, after he took a photo with Drake, the Manchester City striker Sergio Aguero met Drake and then missed a penalty in a Champions League game. Um, the latest victim at the time of writing this article, which is a couple of years old, um, was Anthony Anthony Joshua, who was now the former heavyweight champion boxer. Going into his last fight, he was the overwhelming favorite. His opponent, Andy Ruiz Jr., was an 11-1 to underdog, and Joshua was an undefeated superstar. So confident was Joshua that before the fight, he tweeted a photo of himself with Drake, along with the caption, about to break the curse. And then he lost, the curse. <laughs> he lost the one-sided fight in the seventh round after being knocked down four times. The AS Roma um, English tweeted, all Roma players banned from taking photos with Drake until the end of the season. And yeah, he, he went, Drake went to some NBA game with um, uh, a, sh- a, a hoodie that had Home Alone era uh, Macaulay Culkin screaming on the back of it and said with Kevin with a bunch of exclamation marks and question marks, um, a reference to Kevin Durant um, trying to weaponize his curse, you know, to to defeat um, Mm. Kevin Durant's team. Um, Funnily enough, though, Macaulay Culkin was actually sitting behind him at that game and took a photo of him and was like, and tweeted, hey, Ad Drake, I'm right here, bro. DM me. (laughs) (laughs) And then Macaulay Culkin's podcast failed or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. But yeah, so so Drake, don't take a photo with Drake. I think it's a curse. Mm. I think it's a curse. I think we ended on two curses after yeah. a string and, of Like after having to dip into sports <laughs> of all places. <laughs> but I think the, the Anthony Joshua one is so funny. Like, mm. it's like that um, the malaysian airlines you know like they had two planes disappear within a year and because they had the the first one was so public that when the second one disappeared there was someone who took a photo of the plane as they boarded it and said if the plane goes missing this is what it looks like and then it was like the the old malaysia airlines curse do you know that um on google earth there's you can see a plane in a jungle and no one knows what it is and they reckon it might be the one of the malaysian airlines and no one can get to it no one can get to the plane it's too far out and the and like it's in like the cambodian jungle how did the fucking google well, i guess the satellites and shit yeah i was how thinking google i was I, I was thinking google maps and i was like well how did the little car with the camera on top see it <laughs> cool well i'll say then that we got to two curses in the end and i now believe in curses perfect prep for halloween perfect now i'm spooked i'm spooked richard that if i should ever appear on the cover of a madden game it'll end my career (laughs) don't get a photo with drake (laughs) yeah now i'm never gonna get a photo with drake not now (laughs) just for the principle of it well hey everybody we'd love to know what you think and if there's any cool pop cultural curses that we may have missed so you can reach out to us and let people know i'd recommend going to our discord server which is you'll find a link to in the comments and the comments and the show notes of this episode you'll find a link to the discord server there'll be a channel dedicated to discussing this podcast go in there share your curse stories would love to hear it um and of course you mm, does anyone have follow... any personal curses mm, yes, i have the cool. i have the opposite of one yeah i a i blessing? yeah i'm i'm unkillable right i thought you're gonna be i'm blessed with a large penis or something like that <laughs> um no that's the, the curse <laughs> that is a curse mm-hmm. <laughs> um, th- th- so yeah you can also support Cop Popshire by uh, following us on Instagram and Twitter those are the main ones um, and we have a Patreon patreon.com slash Uh and yeah 
come say hi love to hear what you guys think of, of these curses um and stay tuned for the post credit scene after the music uh, stops playing and stay tuned for next week when we're going to be covering the from dusk till dawn um trilogy um it's going to be a spooky month richard and i'll be honest with you i'm terrified <laughs> All right, welcome along, everybody, to the post-credit scene. This is, of course, a segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash coldpopshow, you get to give us something to talk about. And this, the post-credit scene, Richard, what is it and who's it from? Uh, who's it from and what is it? comes to us from Michael Griffin, and it says, Give an update on your most anticipated PS5 game slash a console review after however long you've had it. It's almost been a mm. year um mm. and fun fact um i actually just bought an xbox series s like an hour or two ago couldn't be a more condemning review of the playstation <laughs> no it's not I've, I've been wanting to buy i've wanted to have one for a while so now i've got the three main current gen consoles as well because i also have a switch disc off me for my birthday this year um and yeah i i i like the ps5 it's it's a good console um the the, sh- the shape of it the design of it um that a lot of people have uh you know shed on i think like when you actually see it physically and you have it in front of you i think it's a really cool design um mm. I, th- I think it looks nice aesthetically it is very big especially compared to my xbox series s uh, which is tiny um mm. and yeah the 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 controller is the big thing that's like this feels like a game changer but no one's really been able to develop for it i yet. agree um, haptic is feedback thing. is exciting but i've got one game that utilizes it and it's and the tech like, demo for it yeah, that's true. I wasn't thinking. I've got a game called The Pathless, which somewhat utilizes it, but doesn't. Right. That yeah, but the, the, the best use of it is um, still an Astros Playroom, which is the yeah, um, the essentially the tech demo for the controller. But it's which a, is what, a, great. what a fucking fantastic game! Best game for PS5, best PS5 exclusive I've played so far. Um, Ratchet and Clank's <laughs> supposed to be good. I've only played a little bit of it, though. Um, I've, I've played it. It's, of, it doesn't utilize the haptic yeah, feedback in sure. any significant way. Um, but in terms of an update on the most anticipated games, we talked about um, yeah, there was the Spider-Man Miles Morales. I really liked um that oh, i was, didn't finish I, that. Um, <laughs> I started playing it and was like i've played this before this is just the first one and then didn't finish it yeah uh, i mean like yeah i thought it's better i'm actually gonna because i bought the version that has the code for the remastered right. ps5 version the original so i'll probably I'll download it at some point because i have got around to it um i got sack boy a big adventure but i always forget that i got it it was this was one of those like mm. richard you have to say something that you want for christmas and i'm like just give me the sack boy game yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever it annoys me because it should have been called sack boy a little big adventure and i'll never yeah. play it because it didn't call itself that mm. um i played odd world soul storm that was the game i said i was oh, yeah, looking yeah. forward to um pretty good I've, I've i've yet to delve into what other people thought of it um i think some stuff i really liked because it's a remake of abe's exodus and i really liked some stuff in it but i think abe's exodus is still a better game um or at least more interesting game and and, and the the soulstorm lacked a lot of the variety of environments and creatures that i'm used to exploring in odd world games it felt way more about being story driven but then the story was also kind of unclear in mm. parts and i remember it ends on a cliffhanger and after it ended i was like 
I'd rather the thing you're cliffhanging was just the final level of the game. Right. You know, like it, it actually feels more like you haven't ended a story as opposed to I'm excited for the game, which will come out maybe in another mm. seven years, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was, it was really fun and really good in some parts. And I, I certainly, it certainly won me over because I was yeah. um, very grisly about it when I first started playing it. Um, there's one part in it, which took me three days to do like, and not as in I slowly, progressed each time i was stuck in one incredibly difficult section for three days and i didn't like that i thought that was stupid that they made one and like you go on the internet and everyone's like am i doing this wrong because i do not know how to get past this part yeah i mean you're not doing it wrong if you're playing it it's just an absurdly difficult part of the game (laughs) yeah um uh, i will say as well i know michael griffin who wrote this question has started playing psychonauts 2 which mm. I'm keen to to look into at some point. I downloaded the, the first one's only seven dollars, um, yeah. so I downloaded I that got the and first I one played as well. a little bit of it. Um, I'm, yeah, playing, so, I mean, I'm pl- actively playing the first one. Um, yeah, I might get second or two. I'm looking forward to Back for Blood, which is the new Left for Dead mm. game. Well, that's going to be on um, uh, Game Pass, so oh. I can just get it there with my uh, bloody Xbox Series S. I would say also overall, the, 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 sorry, the other big like AAA title that I'm kind of like um, probably the next one I really sink my teeth into is Far Cry 6 which comes out at the end of the week right I um, think that uh, I'm glad I have it because I, w- I like having the latest console but mm. it is yet to truly make me go like boy am I glad I got a PS5 which is concerning because I never felt that about a PS4 either right I never okay. was like this is why I got a PS4 um, yeah, I, mean, I think of... like well, the PS4 like as late in its life as it got. Like, I, I think there there are definitely things like oh, you wouldn't have been able to play Uncharted Four or Last of Us Two. Potentially, I guess so. It's it's more like the leaps between yeah. consoles is getting less noticeable. Well, I think that's that's deliberate as well. The fact that they've made the PS5 um, backwards compatible and the PS Plus collection they have, to me, it feels like hey, upgrade it if you feel like. If you miss the PS4, this would be a great place to start. Like, that's how I mm. think they're doing the PS5, which is good for now, I think. And it's just same stuff, but faster. And and the, the thing that I'm, um, that, that amazes me the most about the PS5 is how quickly I can go from pressing the PS mm. button to turn on the console to playing a game, especially mm. like in, in Miles Morales, it's like within 12 seconds, you're swinging mm. with the exaggerated, exaggerated swagger of a black teenager which is a line from a, that's a memed line from a review of the game. Ah, okay. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 